at this time uh, to go and have a Bible uh, lesson for them. And so uh, doing a good job teaching those students and appreciate that so much. If you want to see God's will done in your life, say amen. Beautiful, beautiful song. If you knew, if you knew that you were going to depart this life, if you knew next week on Tuesday that you were going uh, to have your last day, how would you want to go out? How would you want to go out if it was your last day and you knew this is my last day? How would you want to go out? I think how you answer that question probably says a lot about you, about your personality and what you value and what you're looking for. If you knew, if you knew that your last day would come next week, how would you want to leave this life? Now, I asked some of our college friends that question last night. How would you want to go out? How would you want to leave this world? And I got some interesting answers. Uh, brother, brother Will, who just took the kids out, he told me if I knew I was going to die and I couldn't stop it, he goes, I would want to go out by jumping into a volcano and seeing how far I could go before I disintegrated. That's how Will said he wanted to go out. Michael Hunter told me, I would like to put on a space suit and for my body to be sent in space. And even though I'm dead, for that space suit to float forever throughout deep space. Connor said, what a wimp. He said, I would like to crawl into my bed and cover up and go to sleep and die in my sleep. No volcano, no floating in to space. Get in bed and cover up in your favorite blankie. Somebody said he'd put a onesie on, get one of those little onesies on, and cover up and depart this world. If you knew that we're gonna, one day you're going to leave this world, Either you'll die and leave this world or Jesus will return and He will either take you with Him uh, or you're, you're in big trouble if you're not identified with Him. That's a day you don't want to face. So either He's going to come for you or you are going to leave this world. And if you know that, part of life is preparing for that big moment. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that you will do, that we all do, is to part this life. And so that's something you need to prepare for and be ready for. If you knew next week that you were going to depart this world, how would you want to go? Now, it's instructive. We've been in the Easter season, and we've looked at how Jesus entered into Jerusalem, and the people celebrated Him, and they called Him King of Kings, and they called Him Lord of Lords, and, and they exalted Him. But then we saw by the end of the week, there's another crowd that does not want to identify with Jesus, and they are yelling, crucify him and murder him. And indeed, they put him on a cross and they took his life. But what they didn't know is that God, what they meant for sin, God would use for good. And he would use Jesus, his sinless death on the cross, he would use that to forgive us of our sins. And so we saw that. And then Easter Sunday, we celebrated that empty tomb and how Jesus, because he lived a sinless life and because he had perfectly completed God's will, that he overcame death and hell and the grave was empty. If you're glad the grave is still empty today, say amen. So we celebrated that. And then last week we began to look as Jesus, between the empty tomb 
And going back to the Heavenly Father, he went and he encouraged his followers, his disciples, and he encouraged them. And today we're going to see, right before he ascends, the command, a command that he gives to his disciples and how they respond. And the command that Jesus gives and the response of the disciples should help all of us see this is how I should be preparing to leave this world. This is my purpose. You say, what's my purpose in life? What's my purpose? What am I here for? Today you're going to see Jesus is going to reveal through this scripture what your purpose is. Jesus, when he left, you're going to see when he left, he felt the most important thing, not, not jump in a volcano or float into space or crawl up in bed. Jesus, when he left, he determined that the most important thing he could do is to tell you and I and all of his followers, this is what you need to do while you wait for my return. So go to the book of Luke. Go ahead and turn to Luke and go to chapter 24. And let's look today at a message entitled, Now What? He's resurrected from the dead. He has risen. He's defeated death and hell. I've asked him for forgiveness. I've identified with him and I'm saved. Now what? What is the purpose of your life now that Jesus has forgiven you and washed you clean? What is your purpose in life? Now what? Let's look together in Luke chapter 24 and we'll start in verse 46. Listen to what occurred now. All right, so the disciples are there. And they're with Judas, all right? Or Judas, I'm sorry, they're with Jesus. Judas is not there because he betrayed, but the others are there. And listen to what Jesus says, verse 46. He said unto them, Thus it is written. This was prophesied. This was written. What just happened, my, my death on the cross and my resurrection from the dead, that was prophesied. Why did I go through all that? Jesus wants them to know. You've been confused. You've been afraid. You've been fearful because of what happened to me on the cross. And we saw last week they were fearful when he resurrected because they wondered, what is going on? How does somebody come back from the other side? Well, he said unto them, verse 46, Thus it is written, that it behooved, or Christ had to suffer and arise from the dead the third day. Why did this have to happen? That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, so forgiveness of sins and repentance is in his name because he's the one who's overcome sins. We said that had to happen so I could defeat sin. Well, now that that's happened, he says repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Where? Among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you can imagine him looking at his disciples as he tells them. This has been done so sin can be forgiven and so forgiveness can be preached in my name. And then he looks at them. In verse 48, he says, And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. He said, You are going to witness of these things. You are going to go and tell and testify of what has occurred uh, here uh, with my life, my death, and my resurrection. He says, You will be my witnesses. But he says, Look, I want you first, verse 49 to tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Stay here. Until when? Until you be or until you are endued with power on high. I believe while I was after the baptism changing clothes, I believe we were singing a song asking the Lord to send the power. Lord, we need the power right 
now. If you recognize that you can't solve all your problems, you can't make everything better, you can't defeat that sin that is, that is hanging you down, if you recognize that you can't overcome those on your own, but you need the power of God to do it, say amen. He says, wait right here. And you will be empowered by God to go and be the witness that you need to be. So he says, stay here until you're endued with power from on high. Verse 50. And he led them out as far as to Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And it came to pass, this is how Jesus goes out. While he was blessing them, he was parted from them and he was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem. Oh, last week they were afraid. The week before that they were terrified because Jesus had been murdered on a cross. But now they worship him and they return to Jerusalem. How? With great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Now! Finally, all things have been accomplished. And Jesus is returning to the Father who sent him for your salvation and for my salvation. But as Jesus leaves, he's got some instructions that he wants to give. He has some important words of purpose that he wants to give to his people, to his disciples. Now, again, I know there are people here today, and by the way, not just college students, not just young people, there are lots of people that, that wonder, what is my purpose? And for some of you seniors, your purpose, you thought, used to be the work that you did, but then you couldn't do it anymore. You either retired or you got sick. And for a lot of older people, when they move from the job force to retirement or they have illness that weighs them down, boy, that becomes, a, it's like, what's my purpose anymore? I, I don't know. And there are some of you that have just finished school and you wonder, what's my purpose? Where will I work? What will I do? Lots of people wonder, what is my purpose? purpose. Well, this morning I want to show you from this passage, I want God to show you through his word three purposes. You say, what's my purpose? I want you to say, see today three purposes that Jesus has for you now that he has ascended. Now what? Now what do I do that Jesus has saved me? Well, he shows right here three purposes that he has for you. Number one, number one, first purpose. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a work to do. If you belong to him, by none he has left you a work to be involved in. Look at verse 47 and verse 48 again. He says there to them, in 47 and 48, he says repentance and remission of sins. It's going to be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And how is it going to be preached? How is it going to be proclaimed? How are people going to find out what Jesus did? He says, you are witnesses of these things. You will go and you will witness. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you have accepted him, if you have unified with him, my friends, you have a work to do. You are a witness as well. Now, did you catch what Jesus didn't say? Did you catch the words that he didn't utter there? Jesus did not say, I want you to go out and win lots of arguments. When people argue with you, I want you to go out and I want you to make it your mission. When somebody argues with me about this or about that or, or this needs to be done, that he didn't, say, he didn't say spend all your time winning arguments. 
He didn't say go out and pass a lot of laws. I, I wish our nation had better laws. And like a lot of you, I try to vote for the person I think will pass the better laws for our country. But can I tell you something? No human law can change the heart of man. No law. No law can do that. So even if all the laws got passed that I wanted passed, there would be great wickedness in this land because you cannot, you cannot pass a human law to deal with the sin that people have within them. Jesus didn't say win a lot of arguments. He didn't say make it your goal to pass lots of laws, although I think he wants us to support good laws. Don't, don't misunderstand that. But he didn't, he didn't say try to take over the government and win lots of laws. He didn't say build magnificent buildings. He didn't say come up with great programs. He didn't say go and be perfect and never fail. Now he does say in another place that he will, he will send the perfect and that that perfect will enable us to live into his perfection. But he didn't say they're under your own power to go out and be perfect. I like this. Jesus didn't li leave a long list. He didn't, live, he didn't leave a long list and say, do this and 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 do this. But he left them something to do. And he's left you something to do. He has left a calling. And we make this Christianity thing way too hard. You know what your calling is? If you are a disciple, you are to be a witness of Jesus and what only Jesus can do and what only Jesus has done. So what is my purpose? Jesus said, you are witnesses. You are to go and to proclaim the repentance of forgiveness of sins that my death and resurrection has made possible. If you're a school teacher, if you're a mechanic, if you're a vocational missionary, if you're an accountant, if you're an engineer, if you're a student, if you're a retired person, if you're a store clerk, if you say, I got no idea what I am, if you know Jesus, you know who you are, and we have one purpose, to go and witness and testify for Him. What is my purpose? Jesus says, your purpose is to be my witness. To be the witness of who Jesus is. To be the witness of what Jesus has done. Now you say, rightly you say today, I cannot do that. Rightly you say, I, I, I'm not built that way. I, I'm not built to go out and witness and testify. I'm not made that way. I don't think I can do that. I'm too shy. I'm too insecure. I don't understand enough scripture yet. I don't understand theology well enough. Someone will get in an argument with me and I don't know it all and I might do something wrong. Well, look at the second part of verse 49. If you've ever felt that way, that I can't do this, look at the second part of verse 49. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You cannot do this ministry, this calling of witnessing. You cannot do your work unless you're empowered from on high. What is this power? Well, the book of Acts. The book of Acts tells us that this power is the Holy Spirit. And we're told in the book of Acts, the book of Acts gives us a slightly different angle on these events, same events, but from a different perspective. And if you read in the book of Acts, he tells them, that he will send the Holy Spirit to them to receive power. And you say, why didn't, the, why didn't the disciples have the Holy Spirit yet? Why didn't they have that yet? Well, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus, to remind us of what Jesus has said, and to help us to do his word. They don't have the Holy Spirit because they got Jesus right there with them. So he says, I'm about to leave, but I want you to know I'm going to send you my spirit. 
And when you are empowered by that Spirit, you will be able to do what I have called you to do. How do I get that Holy Spirit? How do I get that Holy Spirit? The Word of God says, when you confess your sins and you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you say, Jesus, I want you. He says, I will send my Spirit to you. If you are glad for Holy Spirit power, say amen. Oh, listen, my friends, I can't do those things. Don't you doubt God. Don't doubt. If you doubt God, you'll never do it. Some of you got to start stepping out on faith and believing God. And you've got to believe God that He said He would send you that Spirit and that He would give you the power to go and do what He has called you to do. Now, I love honey. I love, I love eating honey. I mean, I, I, I love it. And uh, we, have, we have honey in our house, and I love putting honey on biscuits. That's probably my favorite thing to do is, is put it on biscuits and eat, eat some biscuits with honey, and I love that. But did you know this? That a 16-ounce jar of honey, 16-ounce jar of honey in your pantry exists only because tens of thousands of bees together flew some 112,000 miles with one goal and one purpose, to gather in from 4.5 million flowers, basically for that 16-ounce jar of honey. It took, it took 112,000 miles being traversed by tens of thousands of bees to go out to 4.5 million flowers. And every one of those bees, by the way, the ladies will give an amen to this, all those bees that were doing that, all of them were females. I don't know what the men were doing, supervising maybe, I don't know. But those female bees go out. By the time each of them dies, they will have lived six weeks during honey-making season. Six weeks that they're alive during the honey-making season. But each individual bee, well, they will uh, fly up to 500 miles in 20 days outside the hive. As these bees are flying themselves to death, that's how they die. Because they work themselves to death. While they're doing that, production in the hive continues at an unreal efficiency. A bee will bring the nectar to the hive and it will be carried in to one bee's stomach. This might gross you out next time you eat honey, but it, they, 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 they bring it in and, and they, they, they take what they get from that flower and it goes into another bee's stomach and they're churning it and churning it. And then that bee is granted by a receiver bee who, who takes that load that it's been churning and then that bee deposits it into a cell and then they reduce the water content and they raise the sugar and they fan it with their wings. And then they die. But the nectar is made. One purpose, one work, relentlessly done by all these bees to give us the honey that we enjoy to eat. Can I tell you today, that there is something much sweeter than the nectar of honey. There is something much sweeter. And the name of that something is Jesus. And everybody doesn't need honey. And everybody doesn't have to like honey. And everybody doesn't have to appreciate it. But can I tell you this? Every person needs to know about Jesus. And if you've been wondering, what is my purpose? What is my calling? What do I do? with what we've been discussing and preaching and praying and celebrating about during Easter. What do I do with this? Jesus says right here, I have left you a purpose. And it is a purpose that you can't do alone, but that I will empower you to do. And so you have a work to do 
that you are able to do because the Holy Spirit will empower you. So what's my purpose in life? When Jesus, now that He is ascending, Jesus tells them, you have a work to do. Second thing, what's my purpose? You have a work to do. The second thing, you have a work to do and you have a promise to hold. You are a promise keeper who has been given a promise from God and it is your responsibility through the Spirit's power to hold on. What is my purpose in life? You have a work to do and you have a promise to hold. Look at verse 49 again. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Now we know from the book of Acts that we have the promise of the Holy Spirit that He's going to send, that He now gives us. Bryson has that Holy Spirit empowering him, reminding him, pointing him to Jesus. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit. But if you read the account of the ascension in the book of Acts, you'll also see there's another promise. Now, listen to this. Look at what the book of Acts says in chapter 1. All right, I want to I read this to you this morning. Listen to what Acts chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 10 and 11 say. All right? You say, what's this promise? What is it? What's this promise? Listen to what? The Word of God says, said, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven. So we're getting this different angle. Here are the disciples. <clears throat> and they are looking toward heaven. And it says, as he went up, behold, two men, two messengers from God, stood by them in white apparel. And they said, what these men say, they also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, shall so come, he's gone up, he will also come in like manner as you have seen him go in heaven. It says, why are you sitting here looking into heaven? Don't you know that he's going to return? He just gave them a promise. He just gave them a promise just as he has left. <clears throat> he will also return. Now you have a purpose, you have a work to do, but you also have a promise to hold. You have the promise of the Holy Spirit, and you also have the promise that Jesus will return. And my friends, this world has forgotten that He will return. And this world lives as if He's not going to return. Why? Why so much wickedness? Why do we worry so much about what our children will be exposed to at school? Why the things that we see in our own community that go on? Why is all this happening? Because this world does not know the promise. They do not know the promise, or they don't believe the promise, that just as He has left, one day this King will return. If you believe He's coming, say Amen. So you have a purpose. You have a promise that you must hold on to, and that you must share to others. And it is the promise that just... As Jesus left, Jesus will return. Now, you hold on to that promise. Because when life looks bleak, you hold on to the promise of His return because friends may and will forsake you. Family may and will disappoint you. Co-workers may attack you. And your beloved, your, your spouse, the one you love beyond any other, that may all fall apart. But my friends, Jesus will not. Jesus promised He would return. He will return. So we do the work of witnessing as we hold on to the promise that just as He left, He will also return. Now we need to be like Jeremiah the prophet. 
We need to be like Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah the prophet ministered during maybe the worst period of time in the history of Israel. Oh, after David, a great kingdom was established. And Solomon uh, brought a lot of new wealth in and a lot of things. But a lot of sin came in as well. And the study of Israel, the history of Israel, after Solomon, it all fell apart. And Israel and Judah, they divided into two kingdoms and they tried and tried. Well, finally you get... You get to the very end where everything's falling apart and the people are worshiping false gods and they're chasing after false things and they have forgotten the promises of God. And because of the sin, Jeremiah is told, Jeremiah is told, listen, the enemy's going to come in and they're going to take everything. And that was Jeremiah's job. His job was to tell people what they didn't want to know, which is the enemy is coming. And Jerusalem will fall. We will lose everything. And that was a hard burden to bear. But it happened just as God said. If you believe if God said it, it'll happen, say amen. It happened. Just like God said, it happened. And then Jeremiah was asked by God to do something incredible. Something uh, Noah-like. Something Jesus-like. To foreshadow what Jesus would do. Jeremiah was asked, while his land lay in ashes, while his people were being carried off into bondage, God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, just as I promised you that this land would fall, I want to give you another promise. A promise of hope that just as this land has fallen, one day the exiles will return. And one day this land will be theirs again. And he said, Jeremiah, you're my prophet. And I want you to go out. I know the enemy owns everything. And I know they've taken everything. And I know the land is falling apart. But Jeremiah, I have said that I'm going to let the exiles return years down the road. And Jeremiah, I want you to believe my promise. And so I want you to go out where everybody can see it and know it. And I want you to buy a piece of this worthless, destroyed land because I make you a promise. I want you to buy it and let everybody know that you bought it because I want you to tell them it's bleak and it's dark and it's dreary, but I want you to let them know that I'm in the business of taking what has been destroyed and what has been brought to ashes. I want you to let them know that I'm in the business of taking those things and making something beautiful out of that and I want them to know one day I will return with my power and they will return and there will be joy in the land again. You say I'm broken and I'm defeated and sin has me down. I want you to know today and we need to be like Jeremiah. Those of us who have a purpose, we know Jesus left and we know it's dark and we know there's so much sin and there's so much oppression, but we know something the world does not know. We know that He will return, and it is our job to be ready. If you are ready to serve the Lord, say amen. Like Jeremiah, we need to step out in this age, and we need to say, Lord, I believe what Your Word says. I believe that this is the right way. Lord, I want to honor You. Oh, Lord, I know how bad everything's looked, but Lord, I know sinners still need to be saved. I know people still need a purpose, and I know the only purpose that matters is the purpose that you give. And my friends, you can mope, and you can hang your head, and you can complain, and you can grumble, 
Or you can get serious about this God we've been called to serve. And you can get serious about the work and being empowered by the Spirit and going out and telling others, my friend, I know you're defeated and I know you're hurt, but I want you to know about one who can heal those hurts. I want you to know the greatest name ever known. I want you to know Jesus. So now that Easter is over, now what? You have a work to do. You have a promise to hold. Finally, you've been given one more thing we're to do. Well, you've got to work. And you've got a promise. But you also have a Savior to praise. Oh, there's work to do. And there's a promise that we are not to forget, that the Holy Spirit will empower us to remember that just as He left, He will return. But we also have the serious business. In the midst of a world that praises all kinds of things, we've been called to praise the one thing, the only thing that matters. Your purpose is to praise Jesus. Look, look back there at Luke 24. Look at verses 50 through 53. Alright, so Jesus has ascended. And He is gone. And then what does it say? It says, He led them out as far as to Bethany. And He lifted up His hands and He blessed them. And it came to pass while He blessed them that He was parted from them and carried into heaven. What do they do? What is their response? And they worshipped Him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And how often did they praise Him? They were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. You say, what is my purpose? Now that I've accepted Jesus, now that I'm following Him. My friends, your purpose is to joyfully worship. Oh, listen, there were days, just days before, that the disciples were paralyzed by fear. Jesus was dead. Jesus was crucified. He was in a tomb. There was no joy on those days. But because of the promise of the Holy Spirit that He had just given them, because of the promise that He would return, fear and grief and mourning, they were gone. Replaced by joy that expressed itself through continual worship in the temple. My friends, if you are ready for Jesus and you believe the promise, you believe the promise, and you know He's given you a work to do, and He has told you to praise Him with your lips and with your life, your purpose is to be a constant sacrifice of praise to Jesus. Work, school, friends, family, your purpose is to praise the One who has saved you. So my friend, how will you leave this world? Laura said she wanted to jump out of an airplane. That's how I want to go, going down as fast as I could go. Maybe you want to fly into deep space. Maybe you want to jump in a volcano or cuddle up in bed, die in your sleep. We'll all go out different ways. We'll all go out different ways. But we all have the same purpose while we're here. And that purpose that we have is to get busy with the work of witnessing and testifying of Him and to hold on to the blessed promise of His return, and to praise Him with every breath we have until there is no more breath left in us. If Jesus is worthy of praise, say amen. amen. What is my purpose? What is my calling? Now, what am I to do?
And my friends, some of you are wasting your purpose. And you're wasting your breath. And you're wasting your life because you're chasing sinful things instead of pursuing and loving and being empowered by this God who has saved you. And you know this. There are some of you today, I don't have to tell you, you know what sin is doing to you. For some, for some, it's the sin of doubt. For some, it's sexual sin that you're involved in, that you hide from everybody else, but God knows that's how you're spending your life. For some of you, all you think about is money. Money, 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 money. And Jesus says, hey, what about, what about me? Don't waste your purpose. Don't waste your life. When you go out, however you go out, Go out knowing that through the Holy Spirit's power, you have proclaimed Him, and you have praised Him, and you have held on to the promise of His return. Now, some of you today are trapped in this sin. You're trapped in this life where you're pursuing many purposes, but none of them satisfied, and you're trapped in it. And you say today, Pastor, that sounds good. And pastor, something about this Word of God is connected with me. That's the Holy Spirit connecting it to you. And you say, Pastor, that is connected with me. And I know, I have wondered, what is my purpose? And what is my calling? And what is life supposed to be about? And I have wondered those things. What do I do? Pastor, what do I do? There's only one thing for you to do. All you got to do is trust Jesus. That's it. You got to confess that you can't do it. You've got to acknowledge that sin and you've got to trust Jesus. And my friends, Jesus will take you and He will take your purposeless life that you have right now. And when you trust Him, just like with those disciples, He will implant His purpose in your heart. You can have a purpose today. Some of you, God's given you that purpose, but you've wandered and you strayed. And you need to come today. You just need to pray and spend some time with God. And you say, Lord, I've been reminded of what my purpose is. Empower me. Empower me and help me to trust Your Spirit that You've given me to do the calling that You have given me. My friends, it has been a great few weeks. Two people saved that came on Easter Sunday. Two different people. What we do on Easter? We just praise Jesus and lifted His name up and exalted who He was. And when you do what you're supposed to do and you testify and you praise Him, the Bible has said, some will reject, but some will hear. And they will know that is what I need. Don't waste your life. Pursue the purpose that God has given you. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's just pray together. And you know today what you're pursuing. The Holy Spirit knows. And you know whether or not you're living out the purpose of the work and the promise and the praise. You know whether or not you're doing that. Or there's some other directive guiding your life. If there's some other directive that's guiding you, that is not of the Lord. That is of the enemy, the devil. If you need Jesus today, you say, I want to be saved. You come. If you want to renew that purpose with God, you come and pray to Him today and he, he, will, he will remind you and He will show you and He will forgive you of your sin. Lord, I ask that You would move. Lord, I ask that You would speak. 
Lord, that you would use this word to bring a sinner to you. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing, if you need to come, you come.